Feeling tired at the gaming table? Want to hear foul-mouthed jackasses poke fun at gaming companies when they screw up? Want an honest, street-level opinion from a team of gamers that call it like it is? Then Blunt Force Gamers may be the podcast for you. Listener discretion advised. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and gamers of all ages, it is us. You know who we are by now, we hope. But maybe, just in case, let me reinform you, we are the Blunt Force Gamers. I am, of course, your host, with a slight ocular problem in my left eye. Game Goblin, the Cherry Pie. Yeah. And I'm sitting here alongside... Kazakhan, the Lord Dragon. And the other dude! Darth Blasphemous, hail to the dark side. Slow motion time! And before we begin, I just must say one thing to Lyle. I am sorry, sir. I missed the Armada meet and greet on Star Trek Online because we are here podcasting today. Uh, yeah, uh, like I said, on Discord, my schedule is weird. So, sorry, dude. Um... But yeah, I play games a lot, but not today. Wah, wah. We had other things to do, like buy someone break cables, and run around in food, and take care of shit. And Unfortunately, I do need brakes. Who knew? Motorized vehicles need brakes. Damn it, that's what I was going to show you. I'll talk about it after the show. Yeah, no problem. Alright, so let's get right into this, because people want to know about role-playing shenanigans. And what better way to talk about it than, of course, the thing we're all getting super tired of, superheroes. Super tired of superheroes? We've got the solution. Call Remington. (laughs) 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 Or actually, no, if you want super guns to deal with superheroes because you're super tired of those super problems, call Caltech. Or LexCorp. No, because Caltech, you know, it's like, hey, let's design a new gun. And Caltech's like, hey, dude, instead of hold my beer, they're like, hold my cocaine. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Because goddamn, they come up with some weird fucking weaponry. <laughs> they, they have a new pistol out that legitimately looks like a Star Wars blaster. Hmm. It is. Uh, it uses the P90 uh, magazine, so it's a top feed pistol. Oh boy! And shoots like two two threes. <laughs> and you just slap that clip in. You know, you slap your magazine in, and you just go. It's just a weird looking gun. So yeah, we're doing superheroes. God. Damn it, superheroes. (laughs) Yeah, I know we're all getting pretty tired of them, but a big thing with superheroes is everyone wants to play one in a D&D tabletop RPG, GURPS, whatever you want to play. Because it always seems like fun because they're the main character, right? And a lot of people do like to play from time to time. We've all done it. Play the main character. Main character syndrome. And it's a thing, and we all just have to deal with it and realize we're not the main character, we're a group collective here. But, what are some of the games you two as the senior two GMs, what games have you guys played that either direct superhero links like Silver Age Sentinels or crazy out there stuff like GURPS and other systems? Alright, well, I'm Kazakhan, I'm going to railroad you on this one because I'm going to pull the age card. Alright. Alright, so... Oh, my knee's swollen up. Here comes a superhero game. Do not ever fucking play DC Heroes. Somewhere I think I still got my copy of DC Heroes. It is one of the most arbitrarily worst written superhero games that one could possibly conjure and imagine. 
It's like EA sold us the DLC without the game. Yikes. Yeah. It, it is super bad. So, to whoever wrote DC Heroes, uh, from the bottom of my heart, and I mean this with all kindness and generosity that I can muster, but please, play in traffic, then die in a fire. However, on the other hand, and this is one of the ones I love from the way old days, and i got to introduce you guys to this system, because I borrowed the books like 30 years ago and I still have them. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> and I told the owner of the books, I, I found him on MySpace, and I'm like, dude, I want to return your books. And he just kind of went off on another topic, and I'm like, I have your books, I want to return them. It's been five years. now. I still have them. Uh, but Marvel Superheroes is by far one of the earliest games that I can conjure up that was well-written, well-received, has a ton of modules and support, a very easy basic system, the FASRIP system, which is fighting, agility, strength, uh, reason, intuition, and psyche. Okay. Oh, wait, wait. Phase rip. Sorry, because I forgot endurance in there. But I still remember this. It's as easy as pie. It's like special, but different letters. Yeah, yeah. And it is a uh, system that uses a very minimalist character sheet, so there's not a whole fuck ton of things to remember, which is great for a new player. Yeah, I can see that. also a percentile-based system. Ooh. Ooh. So all you need is two dice. 2d10, and you are set. Interesting. Yeah. And you just basically, the GM has a, a graph that everybody else has access to, so there's no secret die roll things. The GM assigns whether it's going to be a trivial task, which is white, a mediocre task, which is green, a challenging task that's yellow, or a godly task, which is red. Red is like the, the hard thing, you know, so I say I'm going to use my character to run up the side of a building and tackle the supervillain. The GM deems that since I have super speed, I'm going to roll my speed uh, my speed power instead of actually like one of my core attributes to run up the side building, and he tells me it's a yellow task. So right there, he tells me uh, what I need to roll, basically. I roll my 2d10, I look at the chart. Did I roll yellow or red on the chart? If at least I made the minimum to roll yellow, I have succeeded. It's a very simple and easy system, but, and I know you love this system, Blasphemous really loves this system, and it's one of the systems that uh, about, I want to say 2005 I was first introduced to, and it is definitely a one we're going to have to do an episode later on, a real good deep dive, getting deep, is Silver Age Sentinels. It's so yeah. good, I when I realized I had the PDF... I immediately went out to find the book and found a hard copy IRL real book and waited patiently next to the mailbox every time I came home from work. Before I left, I would check, and when it finally arrived, I was like, ooh, yeah. Wow, he got the full Calvin and Hobbes beanie moment. Well, he actually even, like, stomped his feet really quickly on the carpet and then piddled. No, no, no piddle. I'm a big boy now. (laughs) What about you, Kaz? What do you got for superhero games? So, my experience is a great deal more limited. Um, I've been more towards the fantasy side of gaming, so it's been less of the superheroes and science fantasy aspect. I I have played Silver Edge Sentinels and GURPS and Rifts, and that's pretty much my extent 
of knowledge on the subject. Is those three systems I have had direct experience with. And GURPS seems like an interesting system on its own right. It was fairly simple when I played it years ago. I don't know if it, if it has since become more complicated. It's possible, given, you know, editions change and time passes. But I liked GURPS. It had that universal sort of storytelling aspect to it, and it worked quite nicely. Well, GURPS, uh, I want to say GURPS, Silver Age Sentinels, and I, as much as I despise mentioning this name, Mutants and Masterminds, and I'll get into that in a while. <laughs> I haven't rage moged on the, the podcast for a while, but yeah. Ooh, we're <laughs> in for a treat then. Mutants and Masterminds is one of those games that I... If you ever seen the video, the slap, that's what I want to do with everybody in office. Is just walk around and just bitch slap everyone. Oh, this is the one where the dude want, just strong arms things at a pool party or some shit. Yeah, just yeah, okay. slapping everybody. But anyway, I am I am thinking of the same uh, one. Then. But these three game systems: Mutants and Masterminds, uh, Silver Age Sentinels, and GURPS. Was it those three? Yeah. No, whatever. Yes, yeah, that's that's. They pretty much allow you to do anything. Your only real limitation is just the same limitation as role-playing in general. Your limitation is your imagination. Mm -hmm. uh, Marvel does not fall in this category at all because they do not specifically give you character builds out of the book. They don't... I think it was uh, like their third supplement, I want to say, or their second before they gave you a character builder, so it wasn't really there in the core supplement materials. And most of their published materials, you take on the roles of already established heroes. Yet, when we get into these other three games, you can play whatever the fuck you want. Did you get your superpowers from the slide whistle of Zyptotec? Boom, there you go. Problem solved. <laughs> Did you get a super soldier serum so you can be an adequate female soldier on the front lines? Boom, there you go. Oh, was that sexist? I'm sorry, empirical data and stacks back me up on that one. I gotta get off a duffel blog. <clears throat> anyway, I'm saying, like, you, whatever you want to fucking play in those games, you can play. Anything from aliens to radiation did to you, outright magic. Yes, did you receive the gay radiation to become the homosexual agenda, and you want to play that as your superhero? So be it. Do it. And in fact, fun side story, the homosexual agenda got banned on... <laughs> why, I don't know. It was funny as hell. But he got banned from... Um, Oh god, the MM, uh, City of Heroes, City of Heroes. Oh, okay. There was a guy who had flame powers, pink skin, bright flamey pants, and he was running around as the homosexual agenda. <laughs> it was hilarious. And in fact, when you play GURPS or Silver Age Sentinels or anything of that nature, think of so uh, the City of Heroes, City, 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 of Heroes, City of Villains, because you would get so many people just creating the craziest crap they wanted to play. Yeah, and like... We see this, like, they're MMOs for a reason. I mean, They're great yeah. MMOs for a reason. I mean, yes, it was very limited. It was what, it was, the, it followed the limits of its time, sure. Sure. But at the same token, like, I could log on, I remember watching my dad play for a little while, and he would log on, and there would be just fucking wackadoo shit on his screen because of what other people make. The first time I played City of Villains... I log in. Okay, I've made my character. Huzzah! And it was a, 
I thought I was being creative, but it was actually really boring when I logged in. I walk over through the newbie yard, and there's a guy standing between the newbie yard and the actual play space who's wearing a white button-up shirt, slacks, and a blue vest, and his name is The Greeter. <laughs> I was like, holy shit, this game is awesome. <laughs> I got welcomed to the game by a Walmart greeter. <laughs> and there were some other names that popped up that were just super great. Uh, so when you play a superhero game, you know, it should be like City Villains, where people are just allowed to be as creative as they want and make whatever crazy shit they want. And then work with it. And then work with it. Um, like... On the downside, like DC Heroes, games like that I do not like uh, because it includes no ability for the player to create what they want. Mm. You are trapped. At least Marvel said, oh, players want to play their own heroes. We're going to release supplements. So you can. Yeah, and like, that's that's a rather brilliant play by Marvel is just like, okay, well, we're going to listen to our fans. I mean, this wasn't the direction we wanted to go, but... Clearly, some of you want it, so we'll make it for you. Yeah, my memory is not 100% on this one. It is a bit fuzzy, but if I recall correctly, the first edition that came out had no capacity for players to make their own characters. It was only in later iterations. So it was total 5e. It was. Um, again, this is like from like 25 years ago when I last played this game. But still, it still illustrates the point that I, myself, as a player and a GM, both encourage players at my table to just have fun. Make a character that you want to play and don't worry about copyright to a degree. Like, we were playing one game and we had the obvious Batman ripoff, but he was like, The Knight. Oh, yeah. Wee! And... Yeah, you can yeah. feel the eye roll through the cameras. It was the eye roll, dude. It's, just, oh. <laughs> it's Titanic. He's like walking around in the black trench coat, which, you know, was basically his cowl and his ski mask. And he's like, where's the aliens? And I'm like, Jesus Christ, dude. <laughs> You're just missing the... The, the pointy ears. The, the pointy ears and, you know, the edge cave. Please stop. <laughs> <laughs> Fun joke about the, the edge, right? In Age of Wonders Planetfall, there's an actual psionic weapon called Edge. And it is a psionic sword, and it hits like a freight train. Oh, I bet. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, Blasphemous, uh, I'm glad I have introduced you to Silver Age Sentinels, which was originally based off of the Tri-Stat system before the D20 conversion. is a game that is often overlooked. I recommend it to everyone. Uh, On the other hand, Aberrant is a game I recommend to no one. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> trying to do a superhero game where, okay, because Aberrant is based off of the old White Wolf system, and as much as I like the White Wolf system, superheroes right. does not translate very well. Uh, Exalted, it's a hit or miss. I really have no personal experience with Exalted. It has a neat concept, but but every story I hear about Exalted is always a horror story. Would you go shopping at a car dealership if all you heard was every car that came out of that dealership had a problem? No, I don't think so, no. That's how I look at Exalted. Every time I hear about Exalted, it's a problem. So I can't really recommend that one to anybody. And the system for Aberrant was based on the dot system. So you guys played uh, Mm. the White Wolf system where you have dots. Imagine having super strength based on a system that was originally designed only to reach maximum human potential at five dots in anything. 
That feels like it's not gonna tie well. It didn't really translate too well, no. And the experience costs were janky. <clears throat> of course, that's when I was playing the Iron Chef. You know, the the Dragon of the Rising Sun. Because <laughs> all the other good superhero names were taken. I was basically... The thing I liked about Aberrant, though, is you could be a sponsored superhero. Oh, yeah. So basically, it was like Mystery Men. When you see yeah. Captain Amazing and he's got all the, like, the, the Rayback the logos. battery logos and the Pepsi logos and shit. This was your character in Aberrant. And... Yeah. Of course, since I was an Iron Chef, I was like sponsored by all these like different like Food Network food style Network style stuff. Sponsored yeah. by Red Lobster. Yeah, <laughs> like we would go to bust criminals, and I'm handing out you know like special Ginsu knives that you know strong enough for a hero, but good enough for your kitchen. Yeah. Yep. <sighs> handing out two for one coupons for the Golden Corral. <laughs> oh no, no, for the Golden Temple. Ah, yeah. My character was Asian, so it was the Golden Temple. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> and oh, like, here you go. Two for one on Lucky Buffet. He spoke better English than that, you fuck. <laughs> I, you I went, racist twat. I went full Pat Morita on that. You went full Pat Morita. Yeah, my character was Americanized Asian, not like, oh, very funny, Landai. <laughs> Jesus, shit. He wasn't <laughs> hopsing. Oh, my goodness. The only thing that my character really had going for him, though, is like, as long as there was a tree line, he had full concealment. Mm. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> that seems like a non-cicator for a chef. I was say, where did he oil from? That's a very low, low joke right there. <laughs> Good thing my dad's dead. <laughs> anyway, uh, moving on. So it's right at his level. It Underground. Is. Actually, no. I uh, visited his um, plot. He's actually about three and a half feet above ground. Oh. In a jar. Well. Yeah. There you go. New stuff. Although, and this does bring up an interesting thing, this whole sponsored heroes. Sponsored heroes. Okay, let's go that route. So, it, it's actually an interesting thing, because you don't see it really brought into game worlds at all, is sponsorship. Companies and merchants love that shit. It's free marketing. That's exactly what it's for. Okay, it's not, maybe not free, but close enough. It's low-cost marketing. It's and, like putting your brand name on the NASCAR. Yeah. Yeah, it is. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, That's... a lot of games don't do this. There was another one. I know the actual... One of the writers, actually. Um, <laughs> can't remember his name right off the top of my head because, again, this was... Uh, Eons ago? Dude. Um, Before I was born? I moved out of Seattle about six months after 9-11 happened, but I was frequenting the Dreaming very often. Aaron! That's his name. Aaron. I was visiting the Dreaming uh, and talking to Aaron pretty much a lot of times, and this was right after Aberrant came out. And him and his game group hated Aberrant. So what did they do? They wrote their own goddamn game and published it. Because fuck you guys that bad. Because fuck that game so much, we're writing our own. Damn. And like it, he opened up, he's like, you get your superpowers not from cosmic radiation or silly fucking nodes in your head. Like He specifically went after the node in your head that you have to get you your superpower in Aberrant. Because basically, you get your superpowers in Aberrant from an overactive pituitary gland. <laughs> basically. Fuck that. Yeah. So dumb. Yeah, you basically have a super tumor. Not a tumor. Not a tumor. And there's no other routes around it. You just have a tumor. Boom, you get superpowers. Yeah. Eh? 
but does yes. not compute. Does I not can compute. see why they now immediately proceeded to go fuck oh. this and go to a new system. But yeah, they wrote their own game, and it was very much based in the Silver Age setting. Uh, so basically, like, uh, I want to say Captain America to about the 70s. So basically be the Silver Age between, like, say the late uh, 40s to early 70s. Yeah. Late 70s. That sounds right. Uh, so it was basically a lot of World War II, low-tech stuff, no cell phones, no killer satellites, unless, you know, superpowered people make that shit happen. No future tech, unless it was superheroes doing super stuff, Lex Luthor style. <clears throat> so that was an interesting take. I forget the name of the uh, game right off the top of my head, because I was not... Wasn't quite paying attention to it at the time. I was already involved. This is about the time that uh, Silver Age Sentinels had come out, and I was still playing Marvel at the time, so I already had superhero games. I didn't need another. Yeah, that's valid. <clears throat> that's valid. So, uh, how, how, how far into the episode are we, Mr. Blasphemous? Uh, like half. A third. A third! Oh, boy. All right. So then here, here's an interesting question from someone who is super in love with one system, but I definitely want to hear more about, what about running superheroes in other systems? Like, what about doing a medieval superhero in D&D? Okay, I'm going to stop you right fucking there. Mm-hmm. Okay? There is an old demotivational picture I have where they show Cylon fighters chasing down Spitfires. And the caption reads on it. Crossover campaigns. Sounds cool in theory. Terrible in execution. Yeah. Okay, so we, we've done this. We've translated, uh, me and a friend of mine, Chris, a uh, really awesome dude from way super long time ago. Mm-hmm. Holy shit, this guy was super badass awesome. So awesome. You know how awesome this guy was? He was so awesome, he lost his job and moved away. Mm. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking me. Low blow time! Anyway, we, me and him, we broke down the uh, statistical figures of the way different attributes and things work in World of Darkness setting, and we translated it to D&D. Yeah. Didn't work out too well. Like, your first level, or your uh, zero-point character, so if you're playing a character out of World of Darkness and you have spent only the base points you get from character creation... Starts off in D&D at level 1 with approximately 100 hit points. Jesus. Yet does not gain any more. Huh. Uh-huh. So you have fixed hit points. That's not good. Even with workarounds, we really couldn't make it work. Now, if I was going to do a superhero campaign in D&D, I would need to either A, make it a high magic campaign, or mythical campaign... Or some other rule setting that allows above and beyond. But once we get into things like uh, the ability to lift 75 tons with the power of, you know, my big spider muscles. I got stung by a dung beetle, so I use my dung beetle powers to roll that mountain over the dwarves. But wait, the question is, do I have perfect spider pitch? No, I have perfect uh, beetle sense. <laughs> okay? I use my dung beetle powers. It doesn't translate very well in D&D. Wait, wait, my dung beetle, dung beetle senses are tingling. Someone here needs to poo. <laughs> it's similar to, say, taking a steampunk game and then adding in space travel that's realistic. 
It yeah, can those... be done, but it's a lot of fucking work. Yeah. It's better to go steampunk fantasy and say, magic makes the ships fly. So if we're working with a uh, D&D game, and D&D's, uh, your speed attribute is based off of your size. Typically, yeah. Typically, yes. Uh, in some cases, though, because, you know, we goblins are pretty quick little shits. So we move faster than others of similar size. Okay, fair. And, you know, dwarves are heavy set motherfuckers, so they're slower than things that are taller, but the same size. Yeah, but never get encumbered and piss off GMs when you pick up a dungeon and walk away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Still, the speed attribute is based off of size, but if I'm going to do a superhero, then I have to formulate a speed attribute that works somehow another way. Yeah. Especially for speedster. Now, like... I, I'm actually going to go the other direction. Okay, fair. So you've got a low magic setting. It almost ex Like, magic is almost extinct, and third level is the highest that anyone can ever get. There are archmages at third level spells. Right? Because of how far magic has fallen from the world. Okay. So all of a sudden you have a group of characters who have level 4 and 5 and 6 and 7, 8, 9 slots. Guess what? There's your superhero campaign. Because now you are playing in the realm of gods as far as everyone else in the world is concerned. And if you do it right, your GM can, as a GM, you can spin the story this way. Okay, fair, fair. Right? Superheroes are super in modern day because we are not. People are not super. You hear that? You're not super. <laughs> right? Uh, to quote The Incredibles, uh... When everybody Every, is... When everyone is special, no one is. When everybody is a hipster, nobody is. Right. Yeah. And so, because the common folk are not powerful, and even the people that are powerful, like, you know, a mid-level cleric capable of casting, you know, getting rid of diseases and curing wounds and breaking bones, fixing bones and stuff, right? They're going to have a great deal of clout in their community because they have that power. But even then, there are limits to it, and everyone knows it. So they're better, but not by much. Right. So I, so now you've got these this group of crazy motherfuckers, you know, tootling around, who are just like, Oh yeah, let's just drop a miracle like it's candy. Oh man, my boots are dirty. Clean. Yeah. Okay, so... And they're using magic for, like, these ridiculously mundane things, and they're like, You have that much to spare?! You, you can do that? You you can't? It looks like you've gotten two wildly divergent answers there, Blasphemous, to your uh, inquiry. Yeah, and it, it's definitely one of those where it does completely depend on both the system and as the, uh, the GM, because my main point I was trying to go with, because we had a play, or someone in our group who shall not be named playing, oh, yes. I am, or they were playing that they were basically Batman. Yes, I remember Voldemort doing that shit. And the first thing that Voldemort did... Oh, Jesus. Things that make GM's face palm. <laughs> Perch on a building in demon form in a town where everybody is superstitious and afraid of demons. Nice. Brilliant. Common sense. So rare should be a superpower. Damn fucking right. But so, even just running around, like, say you've got a party of monks, and next thing you know, you guys are the fucking Ninja Turtles. You know? Ah, uh, yes, there's actually a combination you could do for that. Yeah? Straight up. Yeah. 
But no, I mean, just it's an interesting way to think about how to do the superhero because you, you know, adventuring parties, you are basically the fucking Justice League of that era. Yeah, and or the it, Legion of Doom, depending on how you play. Uh, equally valid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's plenty of murder hobos out. There's a big enough population. Someone's going to be sent after them. I, I think most groups want to be Legion of Doom, but instead turn out as the League of Evil from Johnny Qu- or yeah, um, Johnny Quest, Venture Brothers. Oh, uh, yeah, the um, you know, you get one the guy Guild who's... of Calamitous Intent. Yeah, <laughs> one guy wants to basically be like the group selects Luther, but he's only the monarch. <laughs> No, no, the, the monarch has, you know, redeemable qualities. These are people who are, who are more like um, St. Cloud. Where okay. he's just, I have stupid amounts of money. That is my superpower. Alright, alright, alright. Let, let's, let's bring this back for a moment. Because uh, since we brought up Venture Brothers, which does include superheroes. Mm-hmm. If you were a superhero, and Venture Brothers was a real thing. Okay, so this is a hypothetical question, obviously. Because Venture Brothers is not a real thing, unfortunately. But... I have to ask, if the monarch's back was turned and his number one accomplice was sitting nearby, would you uh, take a Brock Samson moment with her, honestly? Because I think I would. Oh, you're talking about um, Madame Repair? Doctor was my girlfriend? Doctor was my girlfriend, yes. Um, I... I don't care if she's got, like, the, the voice of, like, an 80-year-old smoker. I still would. Just saying. Yeah, I mean, I can't see any reason not to. Yeah. I would just say I'm checking her for scars. <laughs> checking her for scars. Thank God. Remember, she is an actual PhD. Yeah, yeah. Smart, beautiful, but there's always got to be a drawback. And, hey, that voice... It just makes me start thinking about... No, um, no, the voice they explain. She smokes, like, fucking three packs a day. Yeah, well, from, <laughs> uh, ever since Marky Mark had a funky bunch. Yeah, like, she fucking is a chain smoker. She smokes more than, like, a fucking a chimney. Yeah. Well, no, I was going to make the allusion to... Um, what's her name? The old uh, Central European chick. She played Avasarala in The Expanse. She played... Um, and you guys seen Grimm? The the movie about No 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 the the uh, the T V series takes place in Portland. Oh, no. Oh. She played a gypsy in that, and it was kinda of funny. But she's this older lady, real famous actress. Uh, back in the day she was hot, but she has this gravelly fucking how many cigarettes you have to smoke a day to sound like that voice. Yeah, I just yeah, you lost me, dude. Yeah. But either way, it's it's the voice isn't too much of a drag, but it is a bit of a drag. Okay. Okay, side topic, because, you know, all super, like I, I, uh, like I said in previous stuffs, all characters begin with that spark of life from their creator. And so if we're going to be creating superheroes or supervillains or super anythings, if you were to say you had any superpowers that would translate into a game world, you know, what would it be? What would it be? Because I, I can piss off anybody. <laughs> I can just walk into a room and people get angry. So obviously I've got like some sort of aura that just irritates the fuck out of people. Dude, that is super useful though. Just put you in some ridiculously heavy armor and just have you walk in front. Well, they used to uh, call me at my old job the disperser. 
Because apparently, uh, not only am I aggravating just to be in the same room as some people, but if I walk up to where there's a manager and at least one employee talking, within like 30 seconds, that group of people will just disperse. <laughs> I, I just walk in, there'd be like a bunch of people standing around talking. I just walk up, stand there, like, just listen in on their conversation, and boom, dispersal. Every fucking time. And even my manager would be like, those guys are talking over there. And I was like, I'll fucking handle it. He's like, go, Disperser, go! <laughs> so obviously, I have superpowers in real life. And it, yeah, if I was able to irritate people in-game and disperse people, I would obviously be like an emotional manipulator. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Not to mention you love, absolutely love creeping people out. I love that shit. So, yeah, you, you're you a full-on, um, what's the word? Uh, psionic uh, empathy fucker. I'm an empathy fucker. I will fuck your empathy without a condom. Just bareback, <laughs> raw. Give me your empathy right now. You're an empath. And when I'm done, I'm going to unplug life support from your empathy, then fuck it again. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, that uh, sounds right. And that's a villain. It is not necrophilia, okay? It's just post-mortem love. Right. Speaking of intimate relations. <laughs> what do you think your power would be there, Kaz? You know, uh, honestly, like, I'm a decent strategist, but I, for for someone, you know, not military trained, let's make that clarifier, I'm a decent strategist. But other than that, like, just an understanding of the way magic works is, like, in its own right, that's... That's a power if you can use it smartly. And that's... It, it's all about creativity and, and, like, how you use the nuance of the system. So if you can figure out, figure that out, and that... You know what? That might be it. I'm really good at breaking apart the systems of rules. Like... Is that why your kickers are also super weak? Hmm. Because you just broke the rules to the point where your kickers don't work anymore. Mm. So the example I'll give for this. Oh, okay. Okay. We started with uh, a Pathfinder game, uh, first Pathfinder, and we, I'm building a character, a Cavalier. They come with an animal companion. I was able to look at the stat block for the weasel, the giant weasel, and be like, I can see how they made this using these rules that I'm supposed to use. And it threw me for a loop, and goblin had to deal with this because it like it confused me because does this yeah. stack on it or does this replace it or so your superpowers over complicated things it might very well be so but you I, are middle management your power is middle management and stating the patently obvious yeah oh full yeah. middle management full middle management but can you fall upstairs i have not had the need of this power i have Twice with witnesses. Nice. So not only can I disperse crowds and piss anybody off, I can fall up stairways. <laughs> up stairways. I've done it. People have witnessed me do it. You know, I'm a, I'm like Jesus Christ of accidents, okay? <laughs> when there's an accident, people go, how the fuck? I'm like, give me three days and I'll figure it out. <laughs> All right? I have superpowers. You, you have... Midland. Nothing compared to me. I am now a super villain, and I will destroy you. Now, see, I think I got you a, a little though. Oh god damn it! I, I was—I 
was getting on my little ego rant here. I was going to start monologue. Yeah, well, here comes my evil thing to just pop that bubble, because oh. <laughs> I apparently am the discombobulator. Because I can just start throwing words and facts and random shit at people to the point where they're just like, whatever, leave me alone. I have made managers say, just just leave me, just leave me, leave me alone, just leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> in that exact same way. Okay, fair. I've had people throw their arms up and be like, whatever, and I'm not even trying to be a dick. I'm just trying to tell and explain to them exactly what Holy happened. Holy shit, do you realize that we combine our powers? Like oh, if, dear. If a, if a manager saw a group of people hanging out by the water cooler who aren't supposed to be there, I appear, stand against the wall, fold my arms, and just stand there. Within 30 seconds, they should disperse. If my power happens to fail that day, you can just walk up and start throwing out random facts. No, but see, Bam. I turn my power against management. Uh, and I like to make managers get confused, flustered, and frustrated until they walk away. Or, better yet, I just happen to say something that happens to make them have to go and do their job. Yeah, yeah. Like, hey, this thing is broke. I need you to write it up because that's your thing. I'm supposed to tell you. I, I told you. Now go do it. So it seems <laughs> that us three behind the microphones, and this is the long-winded, we're circling back to it now. <laughs> uh, the long-winded this way of saying that... This is coming together. <laughs> yeah, my evil plan is coming together. So bicycle's coming around full swing. Uh, we're circling back now. Everybody has something about them that is different, unusual, and unique. Everybody does. At least something that is different that makes them stand out from the rest of the crowd, and it doesn't have to be obvious. Sure, I can follow stairways, that's obvious. Only in proximity. Only in proximity, that's obvious. But at the same token, his power is very causality to when he wants to fucking use it. So Blasphemous over there has to verbally engage somebody. It just doesn't happen. So, and you just overcomplicate everything, and then send me a shitload of text messages. And until the, I get to the point where I just respond in memes. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. That's my way of telling you, go eat a dick, I'm in the middle of a raid. <laughs> okay, when I'm in a raid, not Shadow Legends. Fuck that mm, game. But, so when you're making your hero character, regardless of the system you're playing, remember that your hero already is different and unique because you are creating that character. Your character is your creation. It's going to be different from everybody else's in some fucking subtle nuance. It's already different. And the powers you give do not define your character. They accentuate it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we've done episodes on character creation and bringing your characters to life and adding depth to your characters, so go listen to those. If you want. I mean, yeah, but... All of our episodes are for free on our website, the entire catalog. Oh, yeah. All of it. All of it. It's our archives. I don't do anything else on there, just archive stuff. So if you want to listen to any role-playing topic we've covered in the last four years, our website has them all. Do it. Just letting you know. Bada-boom, bada-bing. But, you know, there. this brings up a very important difference between a passive power, like goblins, and an activated power, like blasphemous. And that, in itself, is its own thing. Speedsters are sort of a passive... They're sort of this weird hybrid. They are generally just faster. But, if they want to go above and beyond, they have to push it. Make sense? Yeah. If you turn the car on and put it in neutral, 
it won't go. But if you leave it in drive but don't touch the gas, it'll start to do something. The moment you touch the gas, it goes. Yeah, exactly. It's a very good analogy. Really fun, though, is to have, like, super mega high-speed cameras and be a person age who uh, engages in theater and film meant for those of the 18 and above crowd. Mm. But all the videos on the website are, like, five seconds long. What the average common person doesn't realize is these five-second videos are actually 30-minute videos... To a speedster. Yep. And that speedster is now watching it like an 18 plus movie, but just at their speed that they normally process information at. Yeah. <laughs> it's that would be just a way messed up way to get past all the like filters. Are you an adult? Doesn't matter because normal people look at it and all they see is a blur. Speedster watches it and he's like, "This is some heavy shit, dude." Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's. That's actually a very interesting point to bring up about speed in particular. Speed has a secondary sub-power built into it, is that mental processing speed for data. Because you have to have it, otherwise you can't react in time to stop yourself from running into a wall. I mean, can you imagine being a speedster? Not to knock on any community at all, but like to be a speedster, you need at least to have Asperger's. You would need to be firing on, like, you'd need, like, a six-cylinder brain firing seven to be able to process that amount of information. Yeah. Or somehow your neurons fire at speeds that are similarly faster. So, like, the it's still the same process information rate sped up just like you are. Well, I believe that the flash processes information at something like 12 attoseconds. Which, for those who are unfamiliar with what an attosecond is, it's really fucking fast. Super fast. Like, one attosecond is so fucking fast that it's like trying to imagine the size of our universe. Trying to just define it. It's just beyond mental capacity, really. Yeah. There's so many zeros. And then, not only that, but something I think they brought up really well in the Flash live action series is the amount of calories you would have to ingest. Oh, oh yeah. He, like, you burn through so many calories as a speedster. Well, that and friction. Well, that's the thing about the speed force. It neutralizes friction. But in the live action uh, TV series, at least the one that I was watching back in the 90s, mm-hmm. uh, when they had the flash on that TV show, uh, his suit was actually like this like super high-grade polymer anti-friction outfit, so when he ran through the air, he would create less static electricity and friction. Nice. They didn't define the speed sort, uh, speed force thing at that. At the moment. Yeah. Still, yeah, I mean, and, you know, speedsters, magic, alright? Not going to burn up when you go fast. Magic can do that. You just have to have a blunt force caster shove magic at the problem. I'm looking at you, sorcerers, you stinky shits. So, let's see here. Superheroes in a role-playing game, we've pretty much covered everything there is about it. Or have we? We've Ooh. talked about the good, now let's talk about some of the bad. Oh, the bad. Ooh. Like, the worst of the worst. Like, 
Play a character that is smarter than the actual person badly. I've heard stories about this in the car ride to work. Uh, well, that was definitely not my last character I played, who um, had, I think it was 12 doctorates, mm-hmm. uh, multiple PhDs and awards and shit like that, and the character legitimately worked at a Starbucks coffee shop serving lattes at minimum wage. Because with take mass- what you got. With massive amounts of student debt. And people were like, why would you do that? And it's because my character is smart enough to know that if they let everybody else know that they are that smart, they will be in a government lab somewhere being dissected or studied or overly famous. They don't want that. So the best way to do it is basically Peter Parker, I'm a student. Don't pay attention to the person not wearing a mask. I'm invisible. So even though the character was super hyper smart... And, you know, that's also something interesting is, like, I think I remember that Peter Parker is a legitimate genius as well. He is. So, uh, And like, the funny part is, like, the uh, game had uh, fucking aliens attack and, like, bad, crazy shit. And I, I think this is a point of contention between me and the GM, but for some reason, the Alphabet Boys, the Central Intelligence Agency... All that, boy. All that. In this role-playing setting, we're fighting against the aliens. Uh, apparently, they do good stuff, but only in dot, fiction. Dot question? Dot mm. question. Okay. So, <sighs> we get into this, and we fight off the aliens, and the aliens give us a million dollars each. And I'm like, you realize that six major cities in the United States of America alone were invaded and destroyed by the aliens. Now, my character's not an economist, but they are a mathematician. I'm looking at the statistical probability of how much that million dollars is going to go for, say, in 24 hours, once we start to clean up the mess from the alien invasion. Right. We're going to go very far. (laughs) (laughs) No. And then I'm sitting there and start putting together, you know, my character's a physicist, my character has... uh, quantum mechanics as one of their skills. I mean, like, all sorts of super high science shit. Even theoretical physics and... Theoretical chemistry and shit. Theoretical chemistry, mathematics, advanced mathematics, uh, pretty much everything. I mean, yeah, the character was way smarter than I could ever be. And I was thinking when I created the character, they should be like Reed Richards. You know, just smart at everything. And then I, like, figured out how to time travel on the XYZ... Are in Alpha Axis, so we could go back in time before the alien invasion even happened and stop it. And the GM was like, "What?" And I laid it out all to him. I was like, "Yeah, we're gonna fire uh, greasy neutrinos at the characters. They're gonna be demolecularized and then remolecularized at this mathematical position where the Earth was at this point in time before they I just explained it out." And the GM was just looking at me like, "What?" <laughs> Total brain blow. Like, like he was like, yeah. "I'm watching." his reenactment of this, and just the expression is just mind-blown. What have I unwrought? Well, neutrinos travel backwards in time to our perception. So if we use those as a carrier, we just fire a neutrino beam as to where the Earth was at that point in time. Weep! It was a bunch of crazy shit. But, yes, Blasphemous, I have also seen players do the exact opposite, where they're like, my character is a genius, and then they go, I want to open the door. And the GM is like, okay, well, the door has three safety interlocks on it. I, um, I roll a d20 and figure it out. 
Yep. Every problem, I roll a d20 and figure it out. I, well, the toilet has a little handle with silver on the left side of it. It seems to jiggle a little bit. I roll a 20 and figure it out. <laughs> my goodness. Oy. I think it's dumb, and then there's cosmically dumb. Uh, my favorite, though, for bad at the game table is there's a unspoken rule. It's kind of like the whole zombies in D&D uh, with positive energy hurting them, yeah. which was not a legitimate actual rule up until, I think, around 1999. It was just one of those things that was a common house rule. Like, everybody had that rule, even though it really wasn't written down. The bad... For superhero games, and it is a secondary power that tanks should have, <laughs> is increased endurance. Oh, God, yes. Because one of the unspoken rules at almost every table I've been to, if your strength is higher than your endurance or your toughness or whatever stat you're using, you will hurt yourself doing strength-based uh, stuff. stuffs. So if you have the endurance to... Uh, withstand, say, taking a bullet, a large caliber bullet, and stay standing and still fighting as a superhero, okay, that's good. But if you do a strength-based thing where you punch somebody else using a car... You're going to tear something. You're probably going to tear something. Okay, so this, actually... So, I've seen this a few times, and from what I've seen, it makes sense. Bodybuilders have the endurance... So, Bodybuilders, right? Bodybuilding culture is all about this pump you up, make you look like a cloud thing. We would pump you up. Yeah, very Arnold, very Schwarzeneggian. And I am Hudson France. They have the endurance of, to quote the picture, a wet noodle. Because, like, they're, it's all super short burst strength. Yeah. It's all it is. And the thing is, is like, yeah, you can do some amazing things with this. These motherfuckers can lift cars, can, you know, walk down a football field with a, with the, the weight of a car, right? I have unfortunately seen photographs of weightlifting fails, and I think the worst is when you don't have the internal strength to hold up to your external strength, and you, um, there's no real way to fucking describe it in a family-friendly format at all, but you basically blow your intestines out. Ooh. You, you, you prolapse your colon. You, you basically shit out a part of your intestines because your outer muscular presses so hard on the in, internal organs. And they just go squirming around because and, and there's nothing they, else to do. You basically shit out part of your intestine. You prolapse. It, it's really fucking gross. Um, yeah. But this is one of the things that we see in games, Mr. Blasphemous, mm -hmm. that I could consider bad is there's no official rule and a lot of players get bent out of shape when the GM says, well, you have the strength, yes, to bench press a 737, but do you have the skeletal structure to not turn into a pile of goo? Yeah. Yeah, and, like, that's, it is a thing that needs to be kept in mind. Like, every power has a drawback. Speedsters need a fuck ton of calories. Super strength does not equate super durability or endurance. All right? Superman is only capable of doing a lot of his acts of strength because his bones are ridiculous. Because he is ridiculous. Because he is ridiculous in all ways you could possibly imagine. And now, like, some other Joshmo, perhaps equally strong, that doesn't have super kryptonite bullshit, tries to do the same thing. They're gonna mulch themselves. 
trying, and it's not going to be pretty. You know what one of the more fugly parts of the superhero genre is? And, it, and this happens in role-playing, too. I've seen it in role-playing, I see it in comics, I see it everywhere. Right. And in real life, there is no equivalency. Okay, so this is like strength and endurance again. How is it that a comic book character who is female can be walking around with perky double E sized lactating mammary back sacks and not have back problems? Ridiculous core workouts is the only way I can think of. There's a lot of fucking Tai Bo going on right there. And, like, re- suitably ridiculous at that, because it's like, that. you need a fuck ton of core. You need a shit ton of core, because I know women who have at least C's who bitch about having back problems. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's like. I'm just saying, for the sake of some amount of realism in your role playing game, I, I mean, some. I mean, yeah, you're playing superheroes, so realism kind of goes out the fucking window when you got a guy who can fly and shoot laser beams out of his butthole. But. I'm just saying, not all superhero women need to be at least a D-plus size chest category to be a superheroic woman. But then there's Gina Carano and Jesus. Gina Carano is height-weight proportionate for her build. Yes. And she can also punch me in the face anytime she likes. (laughs) I will accept having my teeth rattled by Gina Carano. And just saying, before everybody says that I'm fucking bandwagoning here, this... Motherfucker over here. I know. You remember when we went to see Deadpool the first time, and yep. I was like, that chick with the matchstick, I fucking love her. And everybody else is like, oh, she can't act. She's not going anywhere in Hollywood. And now she's a media darling. Okay? Well, I'm a hipster here for Gina Carano. Hold on. Remember when she was on uh, American, what was it? American Gladiator? I'm just saying that I, um. I'm just saying, best costume. I, um. I have done sins against God in private <laughs> with thoughts of her in my head. I'm just saying. <laughs> you know, usually things that you know that you'd see happen when somebody wants to, you know, play Magic the Gathering. You know, I let her defeat me using a blue-white deck while I was playing my Jund, you know. I know Jund is a sin against God color combination, alright? Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, in my head, I was playing Magic the Gathering with Gina long before she became I think popular. you were playing with your junk deck. <laughs> I had my cannibalism deck. There was a lot of fleshy bits. <laughs> just saying. Yeah, you just made all these white tokens appear out of nowhere. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There was a lot of... Um, it was a doubling season? There was a doubling season and a lot of white token generators. Yeah. Oh, goodness. This has been... A shitload of 1-1 one, one blue slimes just appeared. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this, this podcast going downhill real quick. Well, when they enter the field, they have flying. <laughs> yeah, they, be, they, they come in the field and have flying first turn. Only for the first turn. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, and uh, I, I actually, that, you know what? I think in those fantasies too. I was also using my flanking deck, <laughs> staring at that horse ass. Bam! 
you know, this actually does bring up sort of an interesting point. We're going right? downhill quick. Well, no, like using magic as a system, right? There's yeah. A bunch of those one-one tokens, which are you know, a soldier equipped decently well, right? So you know, middling armor, maybe maybe good armor, decent weapon, right? And that's if that's a one-one. The things that are like five fives are dragons, right? It takes easily five soldiers to deal with one dragon. Pretty much regardless of age, mostly. Unless you're training it. Uh, so, like, at this point, you sort of get this scale. And it's... It gets strange. But, like... Okay, okay. I'm, I'm going to stop you right there. Since we're using magic as an analogy. Because this, this heralds back to a comic strip. Okay, so... If we're using that scale, a 10-10... Is a world-shattering, annihilate to colorless Eldrazi coming over the hill, ready to destroy everything in its path. It leaves not but destruction and wake in its uh, path, and leaves behind nothing but dust and rot. Yet, Darth Blasphemous over here, and he's got a deck for it, can hit that Eldrazi with 10-1-1 squirrels, and it is fucking done. Magic the Gathering is not a balanced system for such things. It, it it truly isn't. Especially for casting stuff like, say you do a hybrid game, which I've seen many people try to do, and my deck just so happens to have World Fire. In its own text, it says it lit the entire plane alight. It leaves everything at one. You know what? I will fuck you up with a Stuffy Doll and World Slayer combo. <laughs> There is nothing like watching everybody get frustrated with their massive army decks get fucked over by a 1-1 stuffy doll. <laughs> so, yes, there is sort of... There is no really good scale for power. Actually, it depends on the game system. Uh, for a superhero game, again, this heralds back to games like Marvel, mm -hmm. where it was based off of the comic books, and they obviously... Uh, with the artwork in there. Told you how to draw in the style of Jack Kirby. That's fuck awesome. Uh, they had an opening, of course, by Stan Lee. that was signed, as he always signs everything, Excelsior. They had that in there. It was a very superhero-centric game. It was written by both Marvel and TSR. Okay. So, yeah, TSR. This is way back in the day. Yeah, I'm familiar with their stuff. The system is, for all intents and purposes, out of all the role-playing systems I've seen... The Fazrup system is fairly well balanced and set up to have everything from your street level heroes to your cosmic level entities and still remain uh, balanced and fair as far as those levels go. Mm -hmm. It's not a 1 to 10 scale by any stretch of the imagination. It's a sliding scale, but it works. Uh, Silvery Sentinels really works well because it's a point-by system. I love point-by systems. It gives you a lot of options. Yeah. You, know, you can play whatever you want. I've played every. I've played a fucking Kushball for fuck's sake. All right. The Herald back to the Gina Corrado compliments just a moment ago. Yes, I played a superhero who is a Japanese porn star. That was a Cthulhu monster straight from an H.P. Lovecraft book because he wanted to know how humans tasted. And superheroes need to get paid. Yeah. So... If he's going to live amongst humans and pretend to be humans, he's going to need one of those human boxes to live in, which require human money transactions. Okay, so I play a fucking koosh ball. Literally. You can do that with Silver Age Sentinels. At the same time, another guy just straight up built a werewolf. 
using Silver Age Sentinels, using the rules as written, he built a goddamn werewolf, mm-hmm. and you have everything in between. You've got spandex-clad superheroes, you've got the Captain America superheroes, you've got, I found a box of Chicken McNuggets that has super soldier serum put inside of it that make my left testicle grow to the size of a fucking basketball. Everything was in there. You can have at it and have fun. It is a great system for the way it's written. The Tristat system, also a really good uh, balance system, although it does have some glaring flaws. I do like the Tristat system as well, because it does allow for more anime levels of bullshittery. That's the game table. And those are fun. <clears throat> but at 1 to 10 scale, like in Magic? No. No. I have yeah. seen this, like I mentioned, with Aberrant and Exalted. Doesn't quite work very well. Yeah, it like, and that's the thing I think we need to realize is that the scale is not linear. It slides. It, it has does. to. Yeah, you need a sliding scale. Uh, so I think it's about time for our final thoughts, because we're veering all over the front oh, yeah. now. Oh, yeah. We are in a chase car, being chased by silver orbs. Controlled by the tall man. Boy! Best superhero ever. Oh, wait, no, he's a villain. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Whoops. Okay. You so sure you don't want, you know, some salt for that foot in your mouth? To me, he's a hero. <laughs> it's like as you get older, uh, when you get when you start getting up to my uh, age, and when you wake up in the morning and you piss dust, you will understand that characters like Jason and Michael Myers and Freddy yep. are probably in the right. You'll start you'll start agreeing with them more and more often. You'll, you'll find this happen. But as far as superheroes are concerned, my final thoughts, uh, especially with the long-winded way I took about it earlier, when you create your character, you are putting part of yourself in your character. That is already starting your character off as unique and different right from the get-go. So when you do create your character, I think the biggest one I've ever seen done over and over and over and personally as a game player I try to drive way off of the train rails on this one your powers do not define your character your character is already defined by who you make them as the powers only accentuate this Yeah. they only add to the character as a whole so build your character first then add powers right um, that, that, that's a if you really want to challenge and you want to play a character that's more three-dimensional, that's my final thoughts anyway. I'm yeah. going back to my crypt, Game Goblin out. I think as you... I think superheroes, if you're trying to adapt them into a system they're not already in, are going to be a little bit of a tight ball, so like approach with caution, approach with tact, and... Don't be afraid to ex- let your players explore a fair bit of anime bullshittery because that's sort of what a- what superheroes are about. Kazakhan, back to this guys. Well, I'd say the biggest thing to take away is superheroes are relatively unique, or they can all be the same cookie cutter five E version. And really, it comes down to how you play them. That, that's really what it comes down to. When you find the system that works for you and your playgroup or your GM or you are the GM and you find something you want to run, it's the character the players produce that actually gives it some oomph. Right? If I want to play 
the edge lordy McBatman, then I need to play it like that. But if I want to play Dudley Do Right, the fucking Boy Scout, then yeah, I've got to put a lot more effort into that. Darth Blasphemous signing off. To oblivion and beyond! Well, actually...